Welcome back to Can't Jump Every Time. It was really loud. <laughs> okay. Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. I'm Alex Gehring. And I'm Bobby Howe. Bobby, how are you today? I'm fabulous. How are you? I'm doing fine. It feels like it's been a while since I've seen you. It feels like it's been a while, but it actually, it hasn't. It hasn't really but been that long. I think it's because uh, the last time I saw you, we were both in the midst of our lives being really, 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 really crazy. It's and true. And then, like, for me at least, the, like, the last two weeks, I've had, like, to, time to breathe and catch up on life. And I think that's what makes it feel like it's been so long because we were just go, 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 and... <sighs> <laughs> and now it's ready to go, go, go again. You know, it's like that. different phases of our of our business and the business cycle. And you're right. Yeah. When when things kind of uh, things haven't really slowed down at all. No. Things, in fact, I feel like things have picked up, but it's like a different kind of busy. Right. For me, my my busy was I was travel, 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 not at home, right. and keeping everything going at home, staying busy. With and that. that's like the hardest thing. Right. I totally agree. Yeah. It, and now it's like, it's just the busy at home and busy exactly. with real estate. I yeah. like that kind of busy. It feels Throw nice. the travel into it and you're just like, oh, I'm so exhausted. Completely agree. Yeah. Completely agree. So today we're going to bring in one of my besties. Can I call him a bestie? Yeah, he's getting called a bestie. It's fine. Um, Mark <laughs> Solomon. He's the co-founder of the Veterans Community Project here in Kansas City. Um, and he's going to tell us all about his charity and everything he does. So, Alex, what charities are you involved with? What do you like to do in your spare time when you're giving sure. back? Sure. So, um, as m- most everybody knows, I, uh, I I have a degree in uh, musical theater. Really? Yes. I've never heard this before. Yes. And I, I do a lot of opera work as well. So, my wife and I... Uh, work with a youth theater organization called Madison Avenue Performing Arts. And so that's a, uh, we, we put together about three shows a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in the middle of our summer uh, bit right now, which is exciting. Um, and then we also have a winter show. Um, and so we have that. And that's a 501c3. And then also I'm the artistic director um, and chair of the artistic committee for Leewood Stage Company. Um, and then, oh, what else? Let's see. Various chambers, obviously. Right. Um, I sing with the Kansas City Lyric Opera, which is also a 501c3. Um, all over the place. You're just, you're just all over the place. All That's of the things. That's what I took from that. No, yeah. no, 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 no. You're <laughs> awesome and amazing, and you do all these things. You know, for me, I first got involved really with, I mean, I've been doing stuff with charities for forever. Like in high school, you go and volunteer at the open door food kitchen, you know, mm-hmm. and all those things. But I really started getting involved in charities uh, about see 2006 that'd be 13 years ago it's way too early for math this morning and I was involved with team and training when I ran my first marathon which is a part of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and that just became a part of everything I do now is typically if I'm running a race there's typically a charity that's involved with it so yeah. right now I'm I'm gonna run that dopey challenge thing again um, because I'm really really smart except I roped <laughs> two friends in to do it with me and we're doing some charity work with a organization called Chad Tuff which raises money for DIPG, which is a uh, pediatric brain cancer, oh. and there is a 0% survival rate. Oh, and my goodness. And they only receive $500 a year in government funding for this cancer, of which there are no children survivors, and about 350 to 500 children are diagnosed every single year. So for me, this has become, I have a friend whose daughter passed away from it last year on July 4th, and this has become like my charity, my thing that I give back. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. That's, you know, that's my thing is, but I also have some other friends in other parts of the country and they actually tie their charity work back to 
their real estate business. And I, I'm still working on figuring out, you know, how I'm going to fit that into my business. But one of my good friends, um, Shannon Williams King, she's actually living in Hawaii right now. And she'd been, her husband and stationed in Italy before that. They have a very sad, sad life. Um, and before <laughs> that, they'd been in San Diego. And she has a um, real estate company in San Diego and I believe one in Austin, Texas, called Schoolhouse Realty. She's a former teacher. And at every closing, she gives 10% of her commission check to a local school and she lets her clients decide which school it's going to go to so is it a school they were associated with is it the school where they've just purchased a home and i think that's you know that's very cool really yeah. really cool and then my friend maura neal she's in atlanta and she does the same thing with the 10 percent at closing but she has six different charities and the client gets to choose which charity that her contribution goes to and so I just think that's really cool that we continue to do our business, give back, For sure. and give our clients some, some uh, not buy-in, but they kind of feel like they have some ownership to that charity. You bet. And, you know, even if you don't give something for every single closing or something like that, the truth is that if you're really involved in something like this, your clients are already helping that organization and helping fund you right. so that you can right. do these great things because one of the best things about our business is that we feel so inclined to give back to our community like it's right. just inherently part of being a realtor i feel yep. like yeah, yeah I, I, you're right you know and this is really good because you know september 18th i think it is this year we have our rock the block event is coming back <gasps> exciting um, i know i always love that event it's very fun if you haven't done it before it's just really fun to see all of these people that we work with in our field yep. getting together and putting uh, just bettering a, a full community it's very cool yeah and if you've not listened to any of our podcasts before and have no idea what rock the block is because we've talked about it before um it's where we take over we work with the habitat for humanity and we take over an entire city block and we um revitalize all the houses on that neighborhood painting yard work just making that block sparkle and shine and look absolutely amazing um and i know home adoption opens up in early july so if you're looking to adopt something keep your eyes open <laughs> every year at the end of that event they interview a few of the homeowners mm -hmm. and every every time it it makes me like a little teary yeah no i yeah. just full on there's no little teary it's like a full-on ugly cry just <laughs> you know because it's just they're so thankful for the little things because we're not right. even doing big things it's one day and yet yeah we're, we're not going in and structurally remodeling an entire house no, no. we're just very cosmetic exterior yeah. things See a little bit on the inside sometimes but it, they're just so thankful that someone cares mm -hmm. you know and it's it's little things that we can do sometimes make the biggest difference so i just i, I absolutely love the event unfortunately i'm usually scheduled to be out of town during the event it's like <laughs> i've got to start working on you can't schedule these events then so <laughs> All right. Hey, Bobby, you know what we haven't done since last episode? What haven't we done since the last episode, Alex? Bobby's book bit. Do you have a oh, book bit for us today? I actually do have wow. a surprising. <laughs> Who would have ever guessed I came prepared with a book for our book bit? So the book that I chose for today is called 12 Week Year. It's by Brian Moran and Michael Lennington. Hold on. You missed something. I did. We oh, do the we forgot intro. The, you just said Bobby's book and then we did it. Okay, so Bobby's book. <sighs> do, 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 Bobby's book bit. Casey rare. Oh, jeez. I know, I didn't really want to <laughs> rare, and I was afraid I'd get in trouble if I didn't rare. I don't want to do that. 
All right. So our uh, book for today is 12 Week Year by Brian Moran and Michael Linnington. And what I really, really love about this book is that it's a combination of um, the four disciplines of execution that I didn't actually do as a Bobby's book bit, but we actually spoke um, during Jennifer Justice when she came in with us and time blocking and time management. We actually spoke about that book during that episode. And it's a combination of that and a lot of the key messages from my keynote that I give. And so this book is just like this cool blend of things. And the idea behind the book is how you can get more done in 12 weeks than most people get done in a year or 12 months. It's a really, really cool book about taking your, not writing an annual plan, but writing a 12-week plan Hmm. and really creating that. And so some of the key takeaways from that book was, you know, we don't have a knowledge problem, but we have an execution problem. We don't have an idea, a problem with not having enough ideas or not having enough strategies or not knowing enough stuff. It's we have that problem with actually following through and doing those things that we say we want to do. There's a really good quote from the book is, the secret to living your life to its potential is to value the important stuff above your own comfort. Ooh, that's kind of icky. Like, oh, I have to get out of my comfort zone if I want to accomplish great things. But so often we do. The other quote from the book I really like is, the greatest predictor of your future are your daily actions. So what are you doing today will directly, directly correlates to the successes that you do or don't have in the future based on the things that you do every single day. You know, every single day counts. Especially in this business. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this is one of my, um, this is actually the very first point that I make in my keynote that I give. And life balance is about intentional imbalance, meaning that in order to have true balance in our lives, there's going to be times in our lives that are extremely work heavy and then times in our life that are extremely life heavy where we get to be with our family and friends. But in order to get to earn that time with our family and friends, we've got to put the work side in and we've got to buckle down and get to it and do those things we said we need to to do but too often we think we can have that balance in our lives at all times but no there has to be an intentional imbalance towards getting it done and then you know finding sowing the the fruits of your labor you know sort of thing you bet um you know something else it talks about is humans are like icebergs we only reveal a small portion of our, our emotions. People really only see what's on the outside, what we put out there into social media, into Facebook. You know, it's the iceberg illusion. What they don't see is all the stuff underneath the water, which is typically where the largest part of the iceberg is. They don't see the hard work we put in. They don't see the failures that sometimes happen. They don't see the sacrifices we give, our dedication to getting up every morning and doing I those things. I just saw a great graphic that was this exact thing. I use this in my keynote. That's iceberg illusion. Oh, it's, it's so a really good. Cool- Did you post it? here recently uh someone may have posted it of somebody yeah maybe that's what it was because yeah i saw the i saw this exact graphic uh-huh. it was amazing and it was it's so true you have all of your accolades at the mm-hmm. little tip and then and then everything underneath the, the surface of the water was yeah all of the work and everything that went into it all of the failures it's uh, right. i thought it was such a powerful visual well and for me it's so powerful because so often what we are doing is judging our insides by other people's outsides sides right we don't see all the other stuff they have going on we just see that they're successful and life is easy and it's so easy to judge them and go oh they just have it so nice everything's handed to them right yeah, but exactly. they don't see that we all have that same fight going on on the inside and right. so we've got to stop judging ourselves and understanding that there's only so much you see and so many more things that you absolutely don't see totally so from that book the practical application from the book is that you should always have a sense of urgency 
when you're creating your time blocks, you need to have three different parts of your daily time blocks. You need to create a part that's your strategic, that's your lead generation if you're in real estate, that's the going forward. You need to have your buffer time block. That's the where this could be flexible. I could do some lead follow-up. I could check some emails. And then you need to schedule times for breaks. We all need breaks. Um, I actually just went through and did um, handwritten notes to every single person in my database, which was um, over about 700 people. And I've taken several weeks to it. My hand still hurts. Like there, I thought I was getting carpal <laughs> tunnel at the very end of this project. But I was very strategic and I would write five note cards, which would take about 25 minutes, and then give myself a 10-minute break. And so then I was like strategic for 25 minutes, 10-minute break, and I just kept doing that, and it got me through it. But because I knew I had a break coming, because at the end of, you know, card number four, oh, do I really want to do another one? My hand hurts. No, okay, I got a break coming up. Yeah. And to keep doing that, and I think that when you give yourself breaks, it's kind of like running a marathon um, a lot of times, especially when you get towards the end of the marathon and you feel like you're dying okay, I can walk for one minute if I run for nine minutes. When you schedule those things, mentally you can keep going because you know another break's coming. It's when we don't ever schedule breaks that our body feels like it can't push through when we make things more difficult than we do. That kind of that brings me back around to a question that I was going to ask about something that you said earlier about there having to be an intentional imbalance on mm-hmm. the work side in order to progress yeah. and, and have the same imbalance. Do you need to plan and intentionally have an imbalance on the family side as well? Yes, you have yeah. to. You know, what I call it, you know, like Staples has the, you know, the easy button. I think sometimes you need the pause button in your life where you have to intentionally say stop because otherwise you're going to burn out and you're going to lose all sense of purpose and why you're doing what you're doing and your family's going to feel that. I actually just had to do that after four years of me just go, go, go and not hitting the pause button. And I actually am taking a huge step back towards the life side right now. And am I suffering financially? I'm not suffering, but things are more tight now than they had been. However, I had worked so hard for four years that now we can afford for me to have some time to just enjoy life with my family and my kids and get back to who I am. But I had to intentionally pause my life for a couple months. Right. And now I can get back and go crazy again. Good for you. All right. What so a that's, good that's a book. book bit. I know. I'm excited. People, It's a really quick read. There's a workbook that comes with it so you can help make your 12-week plans. It's, I highly recommend it. So probably ought to bring Mark in now. He's probably all getting all antsy outside probably. the hallway. Probably. He's probably really nervous. Yeah, have you met Mark? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. I was like, we just have this effect. Everybody always comes in and they're like, oh, I'm so nervous. Yeah, no, Mark won't be Not Mark. Way. He'll just, no. He likes to talk. We'll have to stop him. Just <laughs> We love him. Hey, Mark. Hey, Alex. Hey, Bobby. Do you know why I love KCRER as much as I do? Why? It's because we are just completely customer-oriented association. Did, did you see what just happened just a little bit ago? Mm, remind me. Okay, so so we were between sessions, and Kip Cooper comes walking by, and I'm like, hey, Kip, you got any cake? And he's like, hang on. And he comes back, and he brings me this amazing cupcake with a big gumball on top. Kip! I... Y- you're kind of in trouble with me right now. Right, because you didn't get a cupcake, but you didn't ask for a cupcake. Mm. I did. I should for cake. Ask cupcake. and you shall receive. Exactly. So, you know, we just have an amazing association that supports us in everything that we do. Well, if we want to keep that kind of uh, <laughs> thing up. Right. I, I mean, I feel like we need to make sure that we show our association that we support them. Yes, just like they support us. One a little bit ago, the the professional development committee had asked about a podcast, and uh, and lo and behold, KCRAR has delivered. 
Um, and so if you appreciate the podcast and, and you feel like you're getting a lot of value out of it, please hit subscribe. Be sure to leave us a five-star review. If and you like us. If you like us. If you don't like us, don't do anything. Just don't listen then. Right. Right? You can always choose not to listen. <laughs> and then we're going to need you to um, follow us on SoundCloud. That would be really awesome if you could do that. And then tell all your friends on your Facebook, your chaps of Snap, your installators, all of those. <laughs> I'm going to need you to go tell everybody all about listening to us and how amazing we are. But if you hate us, again, just pretend like this didn't even happen. <laughs> right? Sounds great. Subscribe. Now. Welcome back. We have Mark Solomon with us. He is a realtor here in Kansas City. Kind of an amazing realtor if, you know, I had my... No bias. No bias. It's fine. Um, and he was a co-founder of Veterans Community Projects. So tell us about VCP and how it got started. So can we talk more about how you think I'm I'm awesome. Yeah. And awesome. We'll get back to that. Okay. All right. <laughs> so uh, Veterans Community Projects started about four and a half years ago with uh, four combat veterans, myself included. And we basically sat around and said, we need to be able to do something to say yes to veterans. There are so many programs in Kansas City that are awesome. Really, they're tied to funding is how they're able to help vets. So a lot of it is federal or state funding, and unfortunately, it comes with a lot of hoops. And so we basically said, we don't like the hoops, and what can we do differently to help particularly homeless veterans here in Kansas City? On any given night in Kansas City, there'll be 200 veterans that are sleeping on the streets. And wow. again, we decided that's not okay, and we're going to do something about it. And so basically, we got together at a bar, surprisingly enough, um, military guys drinking <laughs> and uh there was a napkin involved and, and a pen and just kind of sketched out the idea originally we had talked about uh, kind of retrofitting old kansas city schools that aren't being used right now and uh, trying to house veterans there turns out that was going to be really cost prohibitive and somebody came up with the idea of tiny houses and it sort of went from there all right. So where's it going now? What's going on with it? So all kinds of amazing things. So in four and a half years, we've managed to help, uh, let's see, it's almost 8,000 veterans oh so far gosh. in town. Not all homeless. Uh, so some were working to prevent homelessness. Uh, some were, you know, just uh, I'll tell you about some of the programs that we do. Um, and then we've housed so far uh, 26-ish vets. We've got 26 tiny houses here in Kansas City. And by the end of the year, November-ish, we should have about, well, let's see, 49. That'll finish out our village here in Kansas City at 89th and Troost is the location. So we'll have 49 tiny houses, and then we'll have a 5,000-square-foot community center that'll help the veterans that are housed at the, at the community. So it'll have haircut services, veterinary services. We actually have pets that live at the village as well. So we've got uh, 10 dogs and three cats that live there now as well with our veterans. And so we'll have veterinary services, haircuts, dentistry, counseling, all on site for our vets that live at the village. That's fantastic. So our, we also provide services to our vets that um, are in town. They can just come. We're on a bus line. So vets can basically come to our outreach center at 89th and Truce and get all kinds of other services. So we have job placement services, resume writing, legal services. Um, we can direct them to other services that already exist. And that's one big thing for Veterans Community Project. We didn't want to reinvent anything that already exists. We want to supplement what's already out there. Again, as I mentioned, there's lots of great programs that are helping veterans some of them, though, are tied to funding. Our thing is, again, we're totally privately funded, so we don't take any state or federal dollars. So when a vet comes in and says, hey, I need help, 
the first thing we can do is get them help. Then we can start asking questions about whether they're eligible for veterans benefits, for example. So we'll help anybody um, regardless of their discharge status. So whether they serve for five minutes or 35 years, we will help them uh, regardless of, you know, whether they got kicked out or, or, you know, served honorably during that time. And that's because at some point, just like me, these folks were willing to give up their life for their country, mm-hmm. and so we decided, hey, we're going to help you. If you you were willing to take that oath, even if it was for five whole minutes, that's good enough for us. We're going to help you if you need help. So that's where the private funding also comes into play, where if a vet comes in and says, hey, I need some assistance, again, we can direct them to that assistance, get them that assistance ourselves if we have the ability to do so. And then we can start working on the paperwork so we can get them help immediately and then start backing into all the, the hoops that we need to jump through. Now, as a proud friend sitting back and just watching my friend do really, really amazing things, you guys have received a lot of national attention over the, the year, including one of the founders was up for CNN Hero of the Year, which is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And you have eyeballs all around the nation on you guys. So what's up next for you guys? What are you doing? So um, Chris Stout, one of our founders, was is our CEO, uh, and he was nominated as uh, CNN Hero of the Year. There were thousands of nominations. Uh, we were in the top 10. We joked that Chris is a loser. He didn't win. Um, <laughs> still, we got great uh, attention from that, and um, Chris ended up, we, we raised, I think it was over $100,000 just in online donations from just that publicity. Wow. We've actually had 700 other cities reach out to us and say, hey, we want you to do what you're doing in Kansas City in our city. And so really right now we're in the process of expansion uh, nationwide. So four and a half years ago, an idea on a napkin is now a nationwide charity. We're expanding into uh, Orlando, Nashville, St. Louis, and uh, Denver area right now. And I'm heading up the Denver expansion right now. So basically every week I fly out to Denver and um, get that going. There's a developer out there who's helping us, uh, basically donating some land to us and uh, building some, we're going to build about 25 tiny houses out there in a suburb called Longmont. So it's north, basically north of Denver, uh, about 20 minutes north of Boulder as well, if people are familiar with that area. So Longmont's been extremely supportive. Just to give you an example of kind of how these cities are, are helping us to help veterans in the local area. In Kansas City, we had huge support. I mean, the community has been tremendous from just individuals to donors to companies to... Patrick, uh, my homie. Patrick, <laughs> Patrick, your, your homie. Uh, Patrick was out um, painting houses. He's a, he's a big young man. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. a very large fella. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I was standing next to him and, and I thought I was impressive. Uh, he's and then little, you realized you weren't I'm, I'm not. still... Oh, you still I'm are. Still okay, impressed. you still are. Okay, okay. Yeah, cool. just not, <laughs> just quite as not as much as you thought. Thought, yeah. Got it. Um, so he's not invited back anymore. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> unless he wants to, then they're gonna come back anyway. So uh, we've had all kinds of community support, uh, including governmental support. So um, the city of Kansas City has just been tremendous in helping us with permits and clearing the road, you know, roadblocks and things like that, um, to making us able to be able to build our houses and support veterans. Uh, And that process from the idea stage to building our first houses was about four years, a little less than that. And in Longmont, Colorado, for example, it's going to be about 18 months to do basically the same thing. Some of that is because now we know a little bit more about how to do this. Some of that also is the fact that the city is just helping us clear a lot of roadblocks. And some two really cool housing things that go along with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, First off, here in Kansas City, we have five acres of land. Like I said, it's about 89th and Troost. It's about a block east uh, on 89th. And we've taken that land that didn't have any infrastructure and all that. The city basically allowed us to buy it for $500. It was part of a land bank thing where they, they have 
properties that um, are either foreclosed on, things like that, that the city owns. So they sold it to us for about $500. That property retail would have been worth maybe about sixty or 70000 So we've added infrastructure, sewer, water, electric, things like that. And uh, we just had it reassessed, and it's about $1.5 million now. So we've actually brought homeless people to a community and raised the local values of the property we put them on, not to mention that's also impacting the local property values of the community around it. So our our tiny house subdivision basically is that's what it is. It's a subdivision. It's not a row of tract houses. It's it's really awesome houses. um, They look nice. They have different roof pitches so that it looks like it's different. Uh, vibrant colors, all kinds of neat things going on down there. And so that's helped a ton, which inspired the folks in Colorado to now um, help us with this, expand this kind of idea even further. The developer I mentioned earlier is... um, donated some land to us, about three acres, to put about 25 tiny houses. That's right as part of a subdivision that is going to be 300 uh, homes that will be anywhere between 400 and $900,000 with views of the mountains. So they're about 20 minutes from the mountains. So our, our, on purpose, they're building a community of, of uh, houses, tiny houses for homeless people in a subdivision of four hundred to nine hundred thousand dollar houses, so it's amazing. It's it has been incredible, just sort of the the housing piece of this and right. what that's what that looks like. Um, the developer out of that, uh, Longmont has some affordable housing credits or not credits, affordable housing requirements that uh, the developer is required to meet. Our transitional houses for veterans, uh, the city has determined meets that requirement. So what's nice for the developer is uh, this project would normally take about three or four years. Uh, this now is going to take about 18 months for them to get through the process so they get to the developer gets to make money faster and um, they're also building some of these houses surprisingly enough in that area are going to be affordable considering what's available in the in this suburb Uh, so they're doing that on their own and lowering the prices of some of those houses yet they can sell them for higher than they would have have they had to discount a certain percentage of them so the developer gets to make more money uh, gets to make that money sooner and we get to build houses for homeless veterans so they're providing we estimate some we're in the neighborhood of about $2 million worth of infrastructure. So from the land to concrete to plumbing, sewer, electric, all of those things. And again, it's on purpose next to a subdivision. We just had a planning and zoning meeting in uh, Longmont where they were approving the subdivision. What was amazing to me about that community, which reminds me a lot of Kansas City, is that people are super friendly. Not a single complaint about homeless people living in this area that they're going to develop. There were, you know, conversations around tra- um, traffic and water runoff and things like that, um, but not a single conversation about, you know, do we do really, we really want, want this? Yeah, yeah. Do, awesome. yeah. And so we're we're hopefully uh, not only from a housing standpoint providing. We I know we're providing housing with dignity uh, and upscale type housing. Mm-hmm. We also are hopefully changing the narrative around homelessness, right. uh, particularly with veterans in our case in general, though, with the not in my backyard sort of attitude. Mm-hmm. Now it's the, no, we do want these folks in our backyard. Providing them right. with a community that can actually support them. And right. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Right. Obviously, being a real estate professional and, and working with a charity like this has to come in handy. So what are some things that you've encountered uh, where your skills as a realtor have come in handy? So that assumes I have skills. So I you appreciate have skills. that. Yeah, you were, well wow, played. good job, Alex. <laughs> nice You're assuming down. a lot over there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, me and Patrick would go oh. back. Uh, so um, he can throw a football and I can't. That's my skill. So, <laughs> uh, so 
the things that I've helped with, particularly with the subdivision here, is making it a subdivision. So um, I brought that to the table is, hey, let's have different, you know, front elevations where possible. And again, the roof pitches and things like that. Um, designing it again as a subdivision. Same with, uh, we're actually going through the final designing process in, in Colorado. And so it's the same sort of thing as we want this to look like a subdivision, not just a, a place for, for people to come. And it, it, it's nice to the point of you'd want to live next to this. Uh, we've got granite counters, wood floors, tile backsplash, all of that fully functioning little houses. Um, they just are small. I, I joke a little bit. Tiny houses is the smallest part of what we do. See, that's a joke. Uh, yeah, thanks. But yeah. So again, at the end of uh, this year, we'll have 49 tiny houses, 240 square feet, um, most of them with the exception of our family units. Um, and then uh, that square, the uh, 5,000 square foot community center. Yet we're helping thousands of vets every year. And that's, we can only house so many. And we'll make an impact on the folks that are ready to, that need help. We'll, we'll make that impact immediately. And then um, in the meantime, though, we will make sure that we're helping vets and again, whatever, whatever way sure. they need. So I have a quick question yeah. on that. So who owns the tiny house? So uh, the charity Veterans Community Project actually owns all of the tiny houses. Okay. So it's transitional housing for the veterans. Got it. So they can come in, they live rent free, they get a fully furnished house, they actually get to pick out a piece of furniture that they will take with them when they transition, uh, which is cool. So, so for some it's a recliner, some it's a, a kitchen table, things like that. And um, then basically we teach them the skills they need. And that's where, again, this private funding thing, and I'm gonna keep harping on that because I want people to go to veteranscommunityproject.org and donate is basically that we we can help the vets in, again, whatever way they need. So if a veteran comes in and has some PTSD-type issues, great. Mm -hmm. We can help them with that. In the meantime, maybe they've been living on the streets. We have vets that lived on the streets for five or ten years. You lose a lot of those skills that you would have living in a house. Uh, hygiene is different, things like that. So we can reteach those things. Another good example of what we are able to do is our we have case managers, and we're at a ratio of eight uh, vets to every one case manager. And for folks that work in social service organizations, they know that that's crazily low, mm -hmm. right? Normally, it's sometimes 30 or 40 to one. So we can provide really good hands-on attention with our vets. And let's say a vet doesn't know how to cook. Well, some of the programs that exist in Kansas City that will house homeless vets, again, they're awesome. The people who work there are spectacular. You house a, a vet, you take them off the streets, you put them into a house that, or an apartment, it doesn't mean that they know how to use sure. that. Mm -hmm. So with us, our goal is we can teach them. We can take them if we want. We can put them in our car, drive them to high V, and show them how to grocery shop. We can help them budget, things like that. That, again, those other programs just don't have the flexibility to do. They will absolutely make sure they're taken care of. It's just they don't have the flexibility and that intense one-on-one -on -one, um, ability to really focus on the vets and what the additional support they need. They'll make sure they get treated correctly, PTSD and those types of issues. But we can get into the really nitty-gritty of what's it like to be back in a house and how do you take care of it. And if the toaster breaks, they're going to have to have dollars to, you know, to fix that and replace it, things like that. So one of the things that I found really interesting when I started getting involved or knowing what you were doing is there's a timeline for transitioning these homeless veterans in and then back out. This isn't just they come and they're going to live here for three years. What's that timeline look like and what are you doing during that time? So it depends. Uh, maximum is two years. And what's really cool about our program is we designed it around the fact that they get to keep their homeless status. And people are like, well, they've been housed for two years, so why? Well, the reason for that is that then when they leave our program, assuming they're eligible for veterans programs, they get to then transition to 
homeless programs that provide housing. So, for example, an apartment or something like that. So we keep them in that homeless status while they're learning all the skills they need to be successful at the follow-on program. Um, two years is the maximum, and uh, what we've found so far is we've been able to transition a number of vets. It's usually about the 13- to 15-month range. Our hope is to actually, um, with, uh, again, private funding dollars at veteranscommunityproject.org, mm-hmm. um, to be able to take our case manager workload from 8 to 1 down to 4 to 1. And we've been really successful for the short period of time. We had uh, case workers and our um, case managers and a smaller number of vets when we first opened our village. Uh, we were able to provide more intense training for those vets uh, one-on-one. And so we want to get back to that as, as our goal. So even at 8 to 1, we're doing awesome. We'd like to keep that ratio a little smaller so that we can we can help. But So during that time, like I said, they're going to get all the skills they need to know on how to live in, in an apartment or a house. Mm-hmm. We've got one vet that's actually transitioning to a habitat home, so awesome. she's going to actually be a homeowner uh, right out of our, so from homelessness to a transitional basically wow. program that's to amazing. homeowner. Um, we've got other vets that some, sometimes that's just not going to be their thing, maybe ever, so right. we're going to make sure that they get taken care of. It just depends on you know what their, what their needs are uh, and what kind of makes sense for them following on. So we'll provide uh, customized programs for each vet, and again, a maximum of two years. So... Why do you think it's so important to give back to our community and specifically for Realtors? So I've always been a big fan of that. And I say it's pay it forward rather than give back. Give back means that Mm -hmm. I took something. Um, The community has been really supportive of us, my business, um, our businesses. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's important for us to be able to pay that forward, right? So um, being successful is great. What are you going to do with that? What's the legacy? I I tell people all the time, my, my kids aren't going to remember, hey, dad sold X number of houses last year, right? They do know that we helped a whole bunch of homeless veterans. They do know that we're traveling to Colorado weekly and we're helping out there. One little uh, thing that has really kind of struck me, and, and it seems small, but I think it's, and I think it's a big deal, is uh, when you pull up to uh, any intersection anywhere, right, and there's, there's somebody with a sign and they're holding it up and they're homeless and they need help. Sometimes they're veterans, sometimes they're not. Um, a lot of people have this attitude of, um, you know, don't, one, don't make eye contact, right? You want to avoid them. So they're going to ask me, they're going to, you know, tap on my window, they're going to want dollars, whatever it is. I have learned in this process that these are real human beings Mm -hmm. and they have names and they have stories and they have lives. And so now one of the biggest changes, and I I love the fact that my kids see this, is the fact that when we pull up to an intersection and I see someone there, I'll be honest, I'm not going to hand them dollars. That's just not what I do. I have a program that helps veterans, right? Right. So homeless veterans. So we'll we'll direct them to that if we need to. Yet I'll smile Mm -hmm. and I'll wave and I'll acknowledge them. These are human beings for whatever reason, whether they're legit or not, they've decided that their thing is they need to stand on a street corner and and ask for money, right? Mm -hmm. We can at least acknowledge that these are real human beings and that, you know, a smile, a wave is okay. And it's amazing the response I get back because I'll look around and I'll see people just avoiding eye contact and I look right at them, wave, sometimes I'll roll my window down, fist bump, whatever it is. The point is that, again, these are real people and that's been probably the biggest impact. So paying it forward um, changes you when you're doing that. And again, it's just, we can be in the business of just helping people with housing or, or making dollars. And that's great. It's what you do after that is really, you know, how do you change the world? And if it's one person at a time, that's okay. Um, I never imagined this idea would be as big as it is today. 
um, that we'd be, you know, in all these other cities and expanding and things like that. So the other thing I always tell people is if you have an idea that's rolling around in your head right now, do something with it. That's the difference. I mean, I, I can tell you that I am the smartest and best looking of the four founders. Um, and they're not, oh, uh, yeah. they're not any, here. Any oh, objections? No. no see, okay. <laughs> uh, so it's true. And um, that said, you know, we're, we're, we're regular people. There's four of us, right? Uh, we decided to do something, and the difference is, though, we did, did it, it, right? We went and we acted on it. We executed. We got told no a number of times, and we just went and did it anyway, right? A joke that we're not smart enough to know the answer, no, and we just kind of went ahead, military guys, right? We'll just go do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the, the thing that I want to tell people about, you know, in terms of paying it forward or doing something, you know, make some impact on the community you serve, right? They're, right. they're helping you grow your business. You can make an impact, whatever it is, um, whether it's, again, individually mm -hmm. or whether it's in, in mass. Just the point is that if those ideas are rolling around in your head on how to make a difference, go do something with it. Don't just let it roll around. And thank you for that because we do an intro before you come in here and I always do have a book bit for every one and this week I did the 12 week year and one of the key points of 12 week year is that we don't have a knowledge problem we have an execution problem right. let's go execute that's a bad sentence let's not yeah, go execute you should, you should. let's go do things that's let's a go much do better things, yes. <laughs> and, it, and so. also with that paying it forward as part of that keep that as part of your sort of plan what right. can you do to pay that forward recently more often than not I've uh, I, I was usually the one who started the chain of hey I'll buy your coffee for the person behind me that mm -hmm. kind of thing right I make them say go Navy because you know Navy yeah, rocks um, that's that's my only Don't requirement for the free coffee right mm -hmm. um, so I just tell the person at the drive-thru hey make them say go Navy and then you know I'll pay for it um, Yet that's been happening to me more. Mm -hmm. And that is really a very recent thing because it had been years where I'd been doing that and it's not, you know, it never happened to me. And then here, I think it's three times in the last few weeks where that's happened. And that's mm -hmm. pretty, pretty neat. Right. And it's just a little act of paying it forward kindness of, mm -hmm. hey, we'll buy a person a coffee or whatever. You have no idea what impact that may make. And then, you know, possibly encourage someone to go do the things that they've been talking right. about doing. So we're, we're kind of getting towards the end of our time. So if there is a realtor out there who's wanting to get involved with charitable organizations, but they don't know where to begin, what do you suggest? And specifically, if they want to get involved with VCP, what do they do? So uh, veteranscommunityproject.org. You have know. really amazing swag there, too, by the <laughs> yes, way. You don't do have, have to just swag. give all your money. You can buy things you with your money, stuff. too. We have really awesome swag. Uh, so people can <laughs> reach out. I have, like, all kinds of stuff all over my house. Yes. I love it. Uh, people can reach out uh, that way for us specifically if they want to help uh, veterans or, or the, our whole project. Um, obviously, donations, even time, though. Time really does count. Um, and then any, um, any of the folks, uh, realtors that really want to get out and just get involved, really the biggest thing is just doing something, act on whatever it is you want to do. So if there's a favorite charity that you have, call them up and just ask, hey, is there something I can do? You'll be amazed that the answer is usually yes, and there'll be something. Um, We've got kids that have done lemonade stands and donated $36. That's amazing, right? It, yeah. It's, it's right. little things like that. All of those little things add up when you're paying it forward. So d just reach out. I'm, I'm happy to, you know, people can reach out to me directly if they have questions. Um, you know, whatever it is, happy to direct people the right the How right way. How does someone find you? Uh, they can find me. <laughs> uh, my email is mark.solomon at kw.com. Um, you can find me on the VCP website as well. So like I said, there's lots of ways. Just do something. Again, if it's a favorite charity, whether it's pets or um, whatever, I mean, just reach out, ask them. You'll be amazed at, like I said, what people will say yes to. Please help us with X, Y, Z and um, start somewhere. And I promise it'll snowball into something bigger. Well, Mark, thanks for everything that you do for our community and for veterans. And uh, I mean, and making us as realtors look good. I mean, mm -hmm. because 
you're I'm good looking and very smart. Good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. <laughs> and Mark, just thank you for being my friend. Thank I you. love you. You're I awesome. Love so you. thanks for coming in today. <laughs> thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks, Mark. Bye.